coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzz on Movies. I am Teddy. And my name is Matt. And we're here to bring you continuing coverage of our race to the finish line, the Oscar season. We are now in our second week of doing this, and um, things are progressing along nicely, but we still have quite a way to go. So we're just here to, to talk about what we've been watching and just talk about our thoughts. What are you drinking this yeah. evening, Matt? Uh, so in honor of the last Oscar movie that I saw, I made a Christmassy red wine cocktail. Um I sort of threw it together the last second because I realized that I had to have something. Um, but it's got red wine. It's got a uh, Jameson. It's got a, uh, which is, you know, a choice. Um, it's got, <laughs> it's got cranberry. It's got orange bitters. It's got uh allspice jam. Ooh. Yeah. You know, I was going for like a sort of festive Christmas yeah, thing. Uh, topped off with ginger beer to give Christmas-y. it a little extra. Yeah. So, um, you know, Christmassy because, uh, the last Oscar movie I saw was Spencer, which is a Christmas movie, essentially. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Okay, that sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Um, I myself am drinking a fog cutter. Nice. Because I um I've been learning to make this recently, and I thought it's somewhat relevant to the Lost Daughter, which takes place by the seaside. Nice. And this is very much a seaside type drink. It's sure got. Is. It's called light, fog cutter. Yeah. It's got uh, <laughs> light rum, brandy, gin. Um, cream sherry, which I just obtained and is the last bottle I needed to be able to make all of the classic tiki drinks from wow. my, my book that I've been working off of. So, um, yeah, very excited about that. <laughs> Finally wow. completed the bar in one, one, uh, metric at least. Um, but yeah, so, uh, this is really good. I like it. It's a, it's a nice kind of seaside type drink. Very nice, but like not like a. I mean, is it like a tropical seaside? It's not like a tropical seaside drink, is it? No, 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 no. It's it's more just you know like a beach drink kind of. I'd say not what? a beach drink, not oh. like a not like an island drink. I feel right. like it, it is. It's a different kind of tiki type drink. Right. All right. Well, um, why don't we get into some of the movies that we've been seeing? Um, so. Where, where do we stand in the race right now? Um, I myself have 24 movies to go. That's, wow. again, counting each of the short programs as one. Yeah, I have 26 to go, counting the shorts as one. I hate that. <laughs> We're moving <laughs> along. We're moving along here. Uh, I just had to update my spreadsheet here. Wait, because counting, the sh- counting the shorts... Pro- counting... The short programs is three, right? Yes, yes. Each okay, program, yeah, each program is one. That's what I'm doing. Okay. Yes, that is that is the uh, the the system that we use and we'll be yeah. using going forward. Right. Um. But yeah, so I, I did I did have to update my spreadsheet just before we started recording because I forgot that Spider Man is one of the ones that was on here, oh. and I did not check it off when I went to see it. Um. But I did see that. Um. That was pretty fun. Uh, not like, I don't know why everyone's talking like, this is the one that should have won the Oscar. Like, come on, Spider-Man. It's like, this is, 
this is like mid tier for me for like the marvel movies but you know whatever mm, i think people I, think it should have because it's the the third and the a trilogy yeah and a trilogy so. that's generally been considered like the best received of this of the marvel movies so mm-hmm. yeah i i thought it was all right i i did like them bringing back uh andrew garfield and toby mcguire um, Yeah, that was fun Andrew Garfield was like a surprise standout for me. Like I didn't really care that much about the, the movies that he was in, but he was great in this one. It was like, I loved, yeah. I mean, Andrew was, Garfield, I mean, he was, was great, great in his Spider-Man movies. It's just that his Spider-Man movies were lesser, but he was yeah. great in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He had like this great, like very like traumatic appearance in here. He was just like constantly, he was very affected by the, the events of his past, which is like kind of a, a theme in this one, like uh, every, all the Spider-Men having their traumatic events come back to haunt them. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He was, he was very, very haunted, you know? Um, I mean, sort of (laughs) in the second, the, the last movie that we had seen him in, it did not end on, I mean, it ended on a downer note for him. Unlike where we left off with Tobey Maguire. So like for, for the, from the audience perspective, it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just gotta got got the really dramatic bit without having the triumphant uh finish of the third movie because they never made a third movie of that one. Right. Um but yeah, that was that was a fun watch though. Um and it it's Did good you see to that see in theaters or? the Tom Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that like okay, good. I think last weekend. Um oh, okay. Good to see the Tom Holland Spider Man finally have to suffer a little, you know. Like, wow, <laughs> <laughs> he literally like got disappeared from the earth. All right, but years. but he didn't even feel that. Like, come on, um, we all he, we all watched it happen, and he was like crying as it happened. I think he felt something. <laughs> that was like one of the like most memed moments. Maybe from, he just didn't make me Avengers. feel anything about it. I don't know. <laughs> um. But he is now in Uncharted, so I'm gonna have to see that. Um, yeah, which has gonna... overperformed at the box office, outperformed yeah. expectations. It, Same it with Dog, starring Channing quite Tatum. Well, good, the good dog. weekend for us here as moviegoers. The, the Dog movie, I'm. That's gonna be really interesting. I I don't know if I'm gonna see the Dog movie or not. Um, um, I initially thought I wouldn't, but then I've seen some people who liked it, so I don't know, maybe. But it's it seems like the exact time. kind of movie I would hate, so I don't know. It's very hard for me to decide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I did see Death of the Nile as well. We're getting off the Oscar track here, but I, mean, I had to mention this. Death Death of the Nile? The Nile died in this movie. The Nile actually. died. <laughs> no, it's Death on the Nile, Um, you know, based off the classic Agatha Christie story. But yes, we did have the... <laughs> highly memeable moment of Gal Gadot in this movie. <laughs> and people were all like, oh, you know, like it makes more sense in context. Like she, she's acting like this because she's traumatized or something. It's like, no, it's just a stupid bit of like bad line delivery. It's yeah. It's nothing... like a, it's like a, it's a cheesy line delivered poorly. Like <laughs> there is no getting around that. Stop. It's the Gal Gadot fan brigade. That's what it is. And they exist. They're very much out there. And they, they want to, you know, is it Godot or Godot? I have no idea. Um, Everyone says it differently. I, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's like, it's just bad. Get over it. And it's very funny bad. So that's okay. Sometimes it's worth it. But like, it's bad. It's bad line delivery. Yeah. She overall wasn't that bad in this movie. I like 
found her performances to be either like somewhat unwatchable or decent, but this one was, I thought she was pretty good. She was like perfect for the role in this movie. Right. Um, and overall, I thought this one was like an improvement on, Wow. On the Orient Express. I've heard it's not bad. I mean, yeah, it was pretty fun. You know, yeah. it's it's not not amazing, but like some good kind of who done it fun mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you're into that sort of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> get back to um Oscar movies. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna talk about this. Um, I just finished watching the Mitchells versus the Machines today. That was a good movie nominated for best animated movie it was yeah it was cute is definitely i would describe it like really original unique uh clever just i saw that uh, when it first came out um so i can't you know you should say more than i could but i remember really liking it yeah i mean it's you know so it's it's lord and miller again Mm -hmm. um the the classic like they you know they did a lego movie they've Mm -hmm. done a lot of like the they have their unique style and it works for them every time. They're so good at it. Um, and this one, like I thought was just like next level. Um, it had a lot of heart. It was, you know, about like how, uh, like families don't always get along, but they have to be there for each other. And, um, it was also about like kind of feeling alienation in the age of increased technology use and right. like the effects of, uh, technology and, uh, surveillance on our lives and like the internet and phones and everything. It was really cool how like they, they tackled like some pretty heavy subjects while keeping it fun and light and not like getting at all um, like heavy handed about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I remember thinking that it really did handle that material deftly. Like, you know, it could be a family movie, but it also, it was touching on some, some serious stuff, some stuff that's real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, in this day and age, we're all sort of at least a little bit wary of the increased presence of technology in our lives. Yeah. And I mean, there's no better way to attack that than having like just all the machines on Earth rise up and try to lock humanity away. Right. It, I, well, absolutely. And I, I think it's important that it's like a family. I mean, technology is infecting, like, or affecting, not infecting. It's not a disease. Um, it's affecting. <laughs> you know, entire families as it is like, you know, like, and it's affecting kids in one way and parents in another way. Um, so it's just, an, it's an interesting, uh, thing to approach in a, in a family sort of kids oriented film. Um, so I think it worked really well. Very good. I'd love to see it win best animated feature. I don't think it will, but I'd love to see it. Yeah, maybe the Disney, be... maybe the Disney camp will be split and therefore, you know, it'll be like a, yeah, you know, it like, could be like it's a primary election, you know, like, win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that exact thing has happened before. You get like a, a unusual win because Disney had too many uh, movies nominated the same year. Okay. Um, but yeah, like it would be really cool to see this one. It's got a very unique art style. Um, I like the way that it like did Internet stuff without getting too hokey about it. <laughs> Right. It's very hard to do, too. Right. It's so it's so hard to work Internet stuff into your movie without being like, hello, fellow kids. But (laughs) I thought this was pretty good, pretty clever. Like the humor was great, but it was also dark at times. Mm -hmm. Um, Just a a really delightful movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you watched it. I really enjoyed it. It was very, very good. Um, 
I want to talk about the Lost Daughter briefly. Sure. Uh, I, you haven't seen that one yet, right? No, yeah, no. So, so I'm not going to get too much into it, but um, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, this is the sort of movie for me that was like it took me like a day or so to finally like fully understand it, like really appreciate it. At first I was like kind of confused as to what I'm watching, but then like you understand it more over time, but um, it's just, it's very like psychological. It's all like about Olivia Coleman's mindset and like her past and how that shapes her present and her behavior and stuff and her okay. like way of viewing other people. Um, and I, I thought her performance was fantastic. Olivia Coleman was also in the Mitchells versus the machines. Yes. Uh, so she's, <laughs> she's been in a, in a bunch of great stuff recently. We've, we've talked about that on the podcast. Olivia Coleman is awesome. Yeah. Um, she, this is no exception. She like absolutely carries this film, um, in a movie that's very much like a, a character oriented piece. Um, right. so I, I had a great time watching this. It was very fun. It was interesting to see how, um, a movie set in like kind of an idyllic type sea side town could like become like dark and paranoid and, you know, um, kind of creepy. It, it, it's interesting to see how like the vibes get upended that way. So that I thought, yeah, I, I, I just really enjoyed this. I thought it was, um, I thought it was very interesting and fun. And Olivia Coleman definitely has a shot at best actress again. Think so? I mean, Maybe. I'm not doubting you. I, I'm not uh, comparing it to the field, so we'll see. But, um, uh, she could she could win it off this performance, I think. Right, she's great. Nice. Well, I look forward to seeing it. I was, you know, I ha I've had it on my short list to watch this weekend, so maybe I'll get to it. You know, tomorrow is a holiday, so maybe I'll get to it tomorrow. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. Maggie Gyllenhaal, you know, here here to see a Maggie Gyllenhaal directorial. Oh yeah, sure. yeah. I I keep forgetting she directed this. Uh, yeah, she she nailed it. That's a it's a great movie to start with. Um, <laughs> what I want to I want to subtweet the, uh, the the theater chain around here for bringing back King Richard for oh. one week. They they did a re-release and I was like, okay, great, like because I, I missed it the first time. Right, it, it was in theaters, and I was like, okay, great, now I can go back and see it. They it only showed at like one thirty in the afternoon every day for one week and then left, and I'm like. <laughs> that is so stupid that makes no sense why what was the what 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 were the thoughts here i just i don't understand it uh why even bother but yeah. you know i guess i'm gonna have to end up branding it at this point every year well, i think the i think few. the 130 showtime was probably to get the old people, the old people i guess who, so who yeah. probably pay attention to oscar nominations and see things based solely on that i mean there are those people i know that we are also seeing things based solely on oscar nominations right now but like there are people for whom that's like not just like a, a completionist thing like it is for, you know, I think both of us. Um, yeah, it's true. There, there are people who really, really do take that that um, recommendation very, very seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the old people crowd is definitely like the the 1 p.m. showing. But like, yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't see that many old people this theater. Maybe it's just what time I go. But I was going to say, like, but you don't go at one thirty in the afternoon. <laughs> I don't. I guess. I guess. On a weekday. I have to go some. <laughs> I don't know. 
have to find out what what the crowds You're are. Not I'm not see doing the old people at 9:30 at night at the at the <laughs> when am I gonna of catch the old people? from the book of I'm... Saul. Like, you're not gonna be there. <laughs> if only they would broaden their horizons a little. I... <laughs> <laughs> but okay. yeah, yeah, I'll I'll have to see King Richard another way. There's a few that I'm gonna have to end up renting every well, year. King Richard is like mm-hmm. out on home release. Um a uh, friend of the pod rented it from a video rental store tonight in fact she a texted vid- me right a video rental it. store yeah uh, <laughs> one of our one of our regulars does in fact go to a video rental store every week oh that's so, awesome yeah i'm extremely jealous i went there once with her it's a very cool spot um, yeah but yeah i i need to live somewhere that has physical rental stores again God, me too and new york used to have a lot but the pandemic ended a lot of a lot more you know than had already ended you know what i mean that's uh, very unfortunate. Yeah, there used to be one in the Alamo in Brooklyn, but they ha- last I heard they haven't reopened it. All the stuff is still there, and their website still lists it, but like the hours aren't there. You can't search the database online. So that's I'm assuming interesting. they haven't opened yet. Um, Especially because they're like attached to another business. So like... right, I well, so, yes, they are, but I don't. You always had to like it, what like you would take it to like where the box office is, but somebody else had to like scan you out. It was very confusing. But I used to go there all the time. Um, went back before the pandemic i you know it was on the way home from work pretty easily i could stop and pick up a couple movies um i loved it and they had a huge horror collection um but maybe i'll just like someday go back just to like go to the alamo and see if they if they have it open again and their web presence is just lacking um yeah could be who knows what so what are what are the movies that you've seen that I haven't, and then we'll get okay. into the ones we both. Well, I don't seen. think there are that many that I've seen that you haven't. Um, one or maybe the one is the worst person in the world, um, yes. which I saw this past week. Um, that did is, you go uh, see that at a theater or what? I did at uh, an AMC. Um, in fact, the Times Square AMC. Um, Ooh, heartbreak uh, feels good in a place like this. Yeah, no. It, oh, oh my God. So I'm so glad you mentioned that. They actually <laughs> did the full one. They did the full trailer, the, the full Nicole Kidman ad before that. They didn't do the truncated version. They did the full oh, hell yeah. AMC ad. Um, I was really, really vibing. It was like me, <laughs> me and two other people in this auditorium. And I was like, hell yeah, we are living our dreams. Um, <laughs> And one of them was definitely an AMC A-list person. So they, they knew the ad. They knew. Because um, I, could, I could see them at one point looking at their phone to make another A-list like s- selection before the, the movie actually started. I was like, yeah, you got it. Because I was in the very back. Um, so I could see like everything. I was like a, a, like a king surveying his kingdom. I like to do that at the AMC. Sit in the very back at the top and just be like, yes, everything uh-huh. really touches. Um, <laughs> this is all all of this <laughs> um is so, our kingdom uh yeah um that was yeah so that movie was really good i liked that movie um a little strange you know not strange i mean as joaquin trier he's he is you know he's a pretty good director overall in general um it it's a it's there are some things about it i don't love as much but i overall really liked it i thought the like structure of like making it 12 distinct chapters with a prologue and an epilogue was a little like maybe heavy handed, like, like, okay, you know, you didn't have to do it this way. Um, (laughs) could have just made it like more of a straight movie. Um, what it does help though, is it like, there's a lot that the movie sort of like glosses over. Like there's not, you know, it's like all like the main character, Yuli, Yulia. Um, (laughs) she's a, (laughs) She's like a, she opens in the prologue as like a college or med student, but then she quickly drops out. She does photography. She does psychology. She, you know, she's basically the typical, it's a very relatable experience as a millennial. It's like, like a, what's, what's that movie um, with uh, Greta Gerwig? Um, 
Oh. Uh, the one, the, 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 Francis Ha. Like, oh yeah. About, like just yeah. like stumbling through early adulthood. Basically. Yeah. that And that is very much what she's doing here. Like there's a lot of like, um, you know, the, pro- the prologue really sets it up nicely. It's like, she's a med student. Then she's like, never mind. She's a psychology student. Then she's like, never mind. I want to do photography. Like she's going, and then she's like writing and like, so like, you know, I mean, but that's like a typical, you know, that's a very relatable experience to somebody who's 30. Um, so, you know, she's sort of doing that. Um, that's her character. And she's very, very good in it, first of all. She is extremely good. Um, her uh, Renata Reinsva. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that last name right. Um, but she's very good as Yuli. Um, wh- the movie, though, doesn't have a lot of interest. Like, it, you know, th- she's surrounded by, like, you know, she's dating this guy for a long time who's, like, a, a famous comic writer in, in, the wor- in the universe of the movie. Doesn't seem interested in, like, his like life as a comic artist or her professional life, whatever she's doing. It's like, at one point she drops an art, she writes an article that there's like a voiceover that's like, and it caused a bunch of debate on Facebook. And it's like, what? Like, so what? like, it, like it, she went viral. I like, are we talking about this? But no, it doesn't really seem interested in like discussing like her professional growth necessarily. It's all about just like her person, like her through all of that. Um, Like there's a lot of like mm-hmm. details that sort of like get glossed over. And so in a way the chapter structure sort of helps because it, it's like we're seeing this and then we're somewhere we're in a completely different pe- period of her life and it's like or not completely but we're in a different period and so like when things are glossed over it's sort of like well it's just like how it is like this is a different chapter we're doing something else now um um and she also uh, without going into spoilers a big key plot point is that she meets somebody on the way home from like a, a professional thing for her boyfriend and like that kicks off a lot of the plot too she meets some other guy um and you know that that kicks off a lot of the plot and you know we don't I don't know really what he's doing. He's like a barista. I don't really understand. Um, <laughs> um, but like, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I thought it was really, really good. It's emotional. It's um, yeah, it's a little bit like, it's very relatable in a way that's like almost like it made me want to cringe at myself while watching. I was like, oof, this is, yeah, I feel it. Ooh, um, yeah. But um, yeah, it's really good. So definitely glad that it got uh, as many nominations as it did. Yeah. I'm hoping I can see that one. <laughs> it's also very Let's funny. See. It is funny. It's a comedy. So um, it's yeah. serious and it will make you upset, but it is a comedy. <laughs> Love to be upset and laughing. That's, that's where we live. Um, yeah. I think I'm that's gonna... really all I've seen that you haven't seen. Um, because I, I also, the other two movies I watched this past week, I think you've seen. So. All right. Um, so why don't we talk about those? Okay. Um, Spencer. Yes. This is one that's been out for a while, but we just we both just got around to seeing it. Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely wouldn't have if it hadn't been for the nomination. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. This is not I'm... my kind of movie. This is like <laughs> so far removed. But I will say it's you know, it uh well we'll talk about it, but it's it's a little bit more my type of movie than I expected, but it's still not my type of movie. Right. Well, I mean this this isn't the sort of thing I would have normally sought out other than i heard that you know kristen stewart was very good in it I right that that would have been kristen the only stewart. thing that eventually drew me in was um but i ended up liking this a lot um it's it's very interesting like it um it is such a like narrowly focused um type of biopic um yes. that i almost hesitate to call it a biopic it's it's literally just s- spent on like this one christmas trip of diana at um 
one of the palaces. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't but know the names. I'm like to, to. <laughs> to like have Christmas with the whole royal family. Uh, and it's just all about how she feels trapped in this like world that she barely understands that is like constantly scrutinizing her um, that like all of her various um, psychological problems that are all always flaring up and causing her trouble um, and all the conflicts that she has with um, other members of the Royal family and with the staff and with the press. Um, and, uh, it, and it's just very much like, centered on uh Kristen Stewart's performance and just like her embodiment of the character and like her inner experience as well. Right. So I think I, f- I felt a little conflicted about the, so it is, I, I liked the narrow focus um, because that does, like you said, it sets it apart from a lot of other biopics that, you know, really there's a million ways you can do a Diana movie. Um, mm-hmm. but like, and you know, I'm sure we'll see many, many more of them as the years go on. Um, you know, there was just a musical, God forbid. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I'm sure I've heard it's actually good, so I shouldn't, shouldn't criticize not the movie version, but like the actual, you know, um, but, um, yeah, the, you know, so there, there were a million ways you could have done this. Um, I liked that this was like so focused that it almost becomes like, it's less about just like being about a biopic. It's more about like, I mean, it's like a commentary on all these other things that are that she sort of has come to encapsulate. Um, yeah. And so I, I think that's why it does work better than it, it po- probably should have. Um, the other main reason that it works way better than it should have is Kristen Stewart, who is as good as the Oscar nomination uh, suggests. Um, oh, yeah. She's really, really good. Um, she is. I mean, <laughs> she's constantly upset in this movie. I mean, it's just like. <laughs> she's just doing constant like she's almost doing like horror movie scared girl acting for a lot of this movie she's like she's like on the verge of tears and like panicking yeah you know like she's almost acting like she's like in a horror movie um and so that i mean in the movie the score doesn't make it any less of a horror experience at times the score is extremely unnerving Um, it goes to like horror places at times like when she goes to the like old abandoned house and is like about to throw herself down the stairs like that's also very scary running around yeah Um, yeah and um, like her like chasing anne boleyn through like the dark corners is like very like dreamlike and very like psychological horror yeah and it's very um the shining like she's like running through these halls yeah. and like the camera's like following her as she runs through these halls and i'm like what's going on um so that's i mean i think it's pretty cool that they that you know pablo lorraine uh did it that way um so i think that really helped i mean it just makes it so much not just like your typical biopic which is nice i mean the thematically it's still covering the same thing any biopic would probably cover if it were a diana movie um, yeah but it's like it's it's doing it in a, a way that makes it more unsettling in a way that makes it more relatable. Cause it's not just like Diana is, you know, who she is. Um, <laughs> like, you know, it's audacious to be like, I relate to Diana at, a, at any point. Like, you know, you can't, no, you don't. Um, but like, mm-hmm. you know, this movie makes it feel like, you know, like her struggles are like it, because it's so like sort of stylized, it does make it feel like you can sort of relate more. Like, it's not just like, right. this like boring camera on a woman, you know, doing, royal things um it's you know it's it's it you know it's making it scary which makes it more relatable um so 
yeah, I don't know. I thought it was really good in general. Um, I think I liked it more than I liked Jackie, which is his other big biopic, right? Um, because he did Jackie as well, the Natalie. Oh, right, yeah. Um, and I didn't really like that one as much. I know that's sort of like I feel like a lot of people like that one more, but I don't know. I I thought it was whatever. Um, I really liked this. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, th- th- like I said, there were things I didn't necessarily, I, I don't know, like, again, like, like I said, it covers thematic territory that would be covered by any, like, biopic produced by, like, Netflix or Hulu. Um, So, like, that's sort of, like, all right, whatever. But it does it in such a, like, a different way that it makes it a little bit better. But it's still, like, at the end of the day, it's like, I didn't feel like I came away with a new understanding of Diana. I, you know, I already understood this, these things about her. <laughs> um, but what I thought was interesting about it is that unlike... another biopic you didn't really see like big events in her life like her death or her divorce yeah i'm really glad we married and stuff like that that. it was all like it was centered around a mostly fairly mundane holiday experience uh, an event that most people wouldn't have any reason to care about in her life but for her was like very psychologically difficult and like also encapsulated all the struggles that she was having at the time. I mean, it's the most insane environment. I mean, it, a, a trip, a trip home for the holidays is first of all, never like a fun experience for most people. Yeah. But this is like, she really has it like on like the most hellscape version imaginable. Right. Like she has to weigh in when she gets to the palace, which is fucking insane or the mansion, <laughs> whatever it is fucking insane. <laughs> Just and the way, insane. the way they're like, oh, it's like a fun little tradition we do, you know? It's the exact you have to opposite weigh of fun. Yourself. If I, I mean, God, I mean, God knows she handled it better than I would have. I would have like picked it up and thrown things at people. <laughs> like I would have been throwing the scale around the house. Like it's insane. It's completely insane. Um, and like everybody there, just like everybody around her is like evil and awful, except for Sally Hawking um, or Hawkins, whatever her last yeah. name is, um, from The Shape of Water. <laughs> Sally Hawkins, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, like every, and her kids, of course. Um, God knows her kids are lovely because um, they're kids. Um, mm-hmm. but it's like, and like it's how she has works. to wear, like wear like the, the set outfits for each individual event. Like, yes multiple wardrobe changes a day and like she has to have somebody help her dress for all those things which like, is also crazy because they're in their mansion by themselves like i mean i know there's like paparazzi outside and stuff like that but like when they're inside is this really necessary like is this actually strictly necessary <laughs> apparently it is um, in this world <laughs> it's just like so insane it's completely nuts um and like yeah i mean again like i didn't think that like Obviously, we all knew Diana had it rough there, and uh, that has shaped a lot of our perception of the royal family. And then it's made worse yeah. with the Meghan Markle debacle. Um, oh yeah, uh, if you want to call I've, it a debacle, um, that, I feel like it, it's very hard to watch this movie without thinking about like that whole uh, right, issue because that's the most recent like... experience we've had with them. Well, not now. Now that the Queen has COVID, as of today, um, that will date when <laughs> yes. we're recording this. But um, that too, <laughs> um, like. Um, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's hard to, to not think about that. I'm sure the director had that in mind, too. It's it's hard not to, right? Um, and, and just like anybody involved in this movie. I mean, the movie is very anti-royal. The movie does not, is very not much, is not pro the royal family. Yeah, no, um, it, very, it treats, like, the royal family is like this sort of, like, almost like an alien species that's, like, has their well, own strange are. rituals that are completely... Uh, befuddling to an outsider 
I think they are completely. I mean, they are like an alien reality. Like they they don't live in any. I mean, they don't occupy any of the same reality or mental space that I occupy. That's for sure. The, mo- the closest <laughs> it's come now is again the queen getting COVID now. Like that's like the most like. Like, aha, now you live in my world. Like, the fear <laughs> the I've had. the most relatable thing that they, um, they can do. <laughs> definitely the most relatable thing Queen Elizabeth personally has ever done. But, like, um, you know, maybe some of the others have been more relatable. But, um, <laughs> not her. That um, and liking corgis. That's, that's, that's true. Yeah, thing. that's true. Liking corgis. Um, although having the money to have, like, a bazillion of them, less relatable. <laughs> that um, is true. That is true. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just just like what a nightmare world this woman lived in um and and got you know and the movie isn't really interested in making like the media the bad guy in the same way but you know that is a part of it too um but and you can kind of see it here when they're like they're like we have to sew up the curtains because people can see you through the curtains i'm like what the fuck is wrong with just like virtually everybody like yeah or like what is good and of course i know that that was a reality i mean the the paparazzi and media very obviously played a huge role in her life and death um but like it's like just completely insane to think about that i mean and that's i mean we've had celebrities more recently that dealt with that level of crazed fanaticism thinking of like britney spears circa like 2007 um but like man it's like oh it's hard to think about now (laughs) Because you don't really have to do that even anymore as paparazzi, because like celebs are so accessible if they if you want them to be just virtually, like you can find other ways to infiltrate their lives and stalk them. Um, so. Yeah, I do wonder how much like celebrities being on Instagram and stuff like that has like undercut the paparazzi industry. Right. I think it has but- to some to some extent. I mean, I think I'm completely removed from the sort of world and news where you would see like paparazzi photos. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I just don't. I don't, ha- I don't get on those websites. I if it's trending on Twitter, that's not the sort of thing I'm going to pay attention to. Um, but I I do I I have to think that like one of the reasons that it's not as ubiquitous as I swear it was in like 2011 even um, is just because celebrities just put themselves out there instead, um, and so yeah. there's not a, the demand is different. Um, so also I do think the demand is different just because society has maybe changed a little bit um i mean i think a lot of times now people react to celebrities and we're like would you just like not be so present like could you st- <laughs> like it used to be that right. we wanted more celebrity now we're like please back the fuck up like, don't that is that. funny like can you imagine <laughs> anyone like 10 or 15 years ago being like okay that we've heard enough from you right now like please stop tweeting chrissy Teigen. like <laughs> right. that never would happen now we're all like we're all like, you know what? You just need to release like the movies or books or music that you make and like not talk about anything else. <laughs> like, like maybe the occasional photo about like, you know, your actual life. That's fine. But like nothing else. We don't need this. Like we don't need to hear your thoughts on things. That's for sure. Um, God knows they should be allowed to share them because they are people. But like Jesus Christ, um, <laughs> enough is enough. Um yeah, so I, I do think just, like, the world is so different now that it's it's hard to imagine, you know, things being the exact same as they were. But, you know, it's still pretty bad. I mean, Meghan Markle had a rough go, right? Like, yeah. That was, that, that was very recent. Um, So, like, and it's crazy that we care this much about the fucking royal family. I'm sorry. They don't, I mean, they don't even do anything. Like, well, they're yeah. just, like, people. Like, <laughs> I mean, they're just, like, I, rich people. That's it. I can't say that I or any well that Lauren does care about the royal family but most people I know don't really care about the royal family but I I imagine it's quite different in the UK um 
and even over there, well, yes, like course, I think yes, a lot of yeah. people are sick of hearing about them. But there, there are is a definite subset who is like obsessed with the Royals and need yeah, to hear I mean, everything my, about what they're doing. One of my friends doing. from high school is always sharing stuff to her Insta story about the Royals. I'm like, you are an American girl who grew up in Southern Virginia. <laughs> what do you care? Like, um, Jesus. I mean, obviously, it's aspirational is what it is. These people aspire to that. They want to be royalty. Um, yeah, no that's that true. Girl, if she listens to this pod, I don't know. But um, but, but, <laughs> but in the U.S., we just have movie stars to, to look up to and be like, oh, I wish I could live in the Beverly Hills mansion rather than in a castle somewhere. Because isn't that nicer anyway? Who wants to live in like a drippy old castle in England? <laughs> I really... Well, you know who wants to live in a drippy old castle in um overseas it's um carrie elwis and what's her name um, <laughs> castle for christmas <laughs> yeah um, uh, that is um, that is where my mind went as well that um, is a drippy old castle literally um, <laughs> we have the answer um yeah. mystery solved we've we've um, gone into it in depth check out yeah. our previous episode on castle for christmas yeah that was a fun uh, um fun episode to do too um that that movie has aged well in my mind i'm like you know what i would watch that again <laughs> absolutely i will definitely watch that again next christmas time they should totally make a sequel they should 100 do a sequel definitely um, definitely every christmas need movie needs a sequel you know and once again i would like to sh- do to do our regular pod shout out where is the sequel to the night before christmas where is absolutely it? this is our <laughs> campaign and we will not stop it until we have a sequel we need the sequel to the night before christmas <laughs> that the ending of that movie begs so many questions it, it demands a follow-up yes and we need it we need sooner it. We need rather it. than later right now right now uh, we need it this christmas let's just hope vanessa we- if you're listening let's go let's go vanessa let's get this um, done um man i love it um yeah so uh, spencer is just good people should see it um it's not going to be for everyone because i think some people even though this is anti-royals are just not going to care um yeah um yeah but i do think it it is good um and it's worth seeing for christian stewart's performance alone if nothing else um but i do think pablo lorraine is doing a a a good job of directing a movie that could have been very very boring and making it very unsettling and good um so you know Overall, I think it was good. I'm a little bummed it didn't get more nominations than it got. Um, just for some like technical stuff, really. I, you know, I thought his direction was really good. I really liked the score. I'm upset that the score didn't get love. Um, oh, the score was amazing in this. Yeah. I especially liked like that one scene where they were having dinner and there was actually a, a like a string quartet there or something. So this was technically yeah. like diegetic music. Right. But it was playing this really crazy, off kilter, like paranoid string music that yeah. was like underlining like how um, how penned in Diana was feeling at this time. And I, I just thought that was a brilliant use of music there. And many other moments in this movie have that same level of music reliability. Yeah. And yeah, definitely well, it's, thought it's, the so score it's, it's, could have. It's a score by so Johnny enough. Greenwood, who yeah. who did has done music for There Will Be Blood, Phantom Thread, Power of the Dog. You know, like he, he's you know, yeah, he's, a, he's nominated for Power of the Dog this year. Yeah, uh, um, so you know, he's a really he good great composer. Work. Um, so he does a really really good job here, and I think it really really contributes to the 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 oppressive, very unnerving atmosphere of this film. Um, yeah, 
So I really, I really loved the score. I wished that, I mean, I haven't seen Power of the Dog yet, but I really think this score was very, very, very good. Because it could have yeah. been such a, bo- we could have had such a boring royal family type score. We didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so th- this really, I, that really, really helped push it in a direction that made this movie way more enjoyable than I thought it would have been otherwise. Um, so. Yeah, definitely, definitely check out Power of the Dog because the score in that is yeah, I've heard it's it's very more good, Johnny Greenwood awesomeness. Yeah. Um. So what what else have we I saw seen? Encanto. That's the other. Encanto. The other yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. We've we talked about Encanto. I saw this a while back. Uh, so it's not quite as fresh in so, my mind. Um, yeah, I watched it Friday night, so pretty recent. But, but yeah, I I thought this one was pretty fun. Yeah, it was um, good. It was like some people are describing it as like the best Disney movie that's come out since Moana, and I'd say that's okay, well, people probably say that pretty accurate every time. Um, okay, well uh, maybe, <laughs> but also people say that literally every time. Um, people were not saying that in the '90s. Moana hadn't come out yet. All right. But like every time a Disney movie comes out, people are like, this is the best Disney movie since X. I'm like, we get it. Like you love it. You like it. You know, it's, it's all of them. They're all yeah. good. No, that's true. Um, but, but you know, it's been like, what, like six years. Um, and there've been like a few movies that came out in between them. They were like, all right. But yeah, I, this, this feels like a bit of a return to form. Um, it's not quite to the level of like, frozen or tangled or moana but it's like it's up there um it's got a lot of really fun characters it's got great music um amazing colorful animation um a story that is kind of uh muddled and like kind of all comes together at the last moment but is mostly pretty fun it's not gonna make you burst into tears on the level of coco but it's an interesting story about interesting family. i like sobbed 100 really yeah okay yeah well elaborate what was emotional for you about this movie um well i was i was drinking um so that could have been <laughs> there we go okay yeah. that could have been why i was emotional um but also i just think it was like the like the black sheep of the family thing um, does it for me that that's a, you know, that, yeah, that, yeah. that pulls a particular heartstring for me. And I, I will, it's definitely, that. you know, supposed to be relatable. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that that did it. Um, Coco didn't really have that, for example. I mean, he sort of is, but not really. I mean, like he like, you know, he is no, nobody, but nobody wants him to be a musician and he has but, to practice but in secret. He's, he's doing it in secret. And nobody, in this movie, they all know she's like an outsider. Like they're all like, Oh, you didn't get your power. Like they, okay. they all know uh-huh. this. Like, like in, in Coco, he's literally doing it in secret. Like, you know, they, they can treat him like he's some normal kid. Um, in, in this movie and in Canto, everybody treats her differently and you can feel it. Like, <laughs> Her whole family treats her differently. She has a sister who's very mean to her. She has other family, a grandma who like kind of looks down on her. Like, you know. Yeah. So, you know, in this movie, it's a little, the, the way it's handled is a little different. You're right that Coco, he sort of is, but he doesn't let it be known. So, um, which is also very upsetting as a kid who's also had secrets that he kept from his family. Um, you know, shocker, but when you're like a queer kid. Um, yeah. But well, um, it's, it's kind of the flip side of it. It's if you try to hide things then you're living like this double life. And then mm-hmm. if you live in the open, then you you're constantly scrutinized by everyone. Well, right. That's why people hide things. Um, so, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So Coco, you're right. That Coco definitely had that too, but it's, it's a little bit different here, which I thought was, um, 
you know, I think that's one thing that resonated with me, just like being treated as a black sheep. But then it takes another level further by like talking about how like everybody in the family actually kind of feels like this terrible pressure and like ostracized by the family because of their powers. Like, which yeah. I thought was really cool. Um, you that, know? Yes. I, I love that. I love that. Like we got to see like all these people, even though they've got like these amazing magical abilities. Cause that's like the whole plot. It's like this family with, they, they all have unique magical powers except for Mirabelle. Um, but they all feel like pressured or like an outcast or like mm-hmm. everybody's relying on them too much. They all have their unique, um, ways that they're suffering because of the expectations that are put on them. Right. Exactly. And so I think, I think this movie would have been far worse if it hadn't like elaborated on all of their struggles, you know what I mean? Um, But because it like let us in that like all of them are also, you know, suffering, it it really made it a different movie, you know, like it, it, it's like she Mirabelle thinks she's the black sheep of the family, but everybody else kind of feels like they're also like an outsider from the family. They don't think they're the black sheep necessarily, but they think they're like, you know, set apart and different, you know, um, they, they don't, you know, they feel like they have to do one thing or else nobody will care about them. And especially, mm-hmm. um, the one sister, the pretty sister, I can't remember what her name is. Um, the one with the flowers. Yeah. The flower especially feels like, you know, she does feel pretty isolated. That's pretty clear. You know, um, she's like, I have to do this thing and then go back into my little flower room and pretend to be somebody I'm not like, you know, that sucks. Um, <laughs> so you know, I think I, you know, I think that was really, really interesting. It also made it more emotional because you got to see not just Mirabelle coming to terms with herself. You got to see everybody else coming to terms with them, all of them, you know, their powers and their differences and who they really want to be, um, which was nice, you know, um, helps that it had a lot of good music along the way. A lot of fun music. Oh yeah. Very good music. Lin-Manuel Miranda, again, doing a lot of the songwriting in this. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> It's great. It's interesting how, as as annoying of a person I find Lin Manuel Miranda to be, I still enjoy most of the music that he makes. Um, He's very talented yeah. and very good mm-hmm. at what he does. He, He's just like very insufferable. Like this is a prime <laughs> case of like why won't celebrities just like back off? Like we don't need you don't need to share everything with us. Lin Manuel Miranda should just like put his work out there and step away. Um, I'm sure, like, the thing about Lin-Manuel Miranda is that he's, like, a blue checkmark liberal. Like, and it's, like, he is, like, the definition of blue checkmark liberal. Yeah. And, like. He is that guy. And, oh, my. And, like, and like maybe he thinks, like, if I voice my opinions and share what I think, like, I'm using my platform to get people to vote and things like. Like, I'm sure that some people are motivated by that. I just, like, I am ne- have never once thought a celebrity said this, so I should vote. Like I have never had that experience yeah. in my entire life. Uh, like there must be people out there who do think that way. Well, we know yeah, that there mm-hmm. are because remember after like Taylor Swift spoke up about politics, registration in Tennessee shot up that one time. <laughs> like it's like so there are people who literally are motivated by celebrities saying things. And so like I try to remember that when celebrities are insufferable about like pushing these I mean, again, like, I don't even disagree with Lin-Manuel Miranda and all, you know, like, we vote for the same people, I'm pretty sure. Like, yeah, we, um, we mostly agree um, with, on most of the issues. But it's like, because, like, that is definitely a big part of what makes him insufferable, is that he just, like, keeps going on about it. I mean, you know, good for him, but Lord have mercy. And he posts photos of himself that are really cringe and embarrassing. Like That lip bite photo. The lip bite photo <laughs> will never die. It like it's burned in the back of my eyelids. It was so like he didn't have to post that. He did not have to do it. 
Like, but he did. And it's so upsetting. Like, <laughs> um, and it's so upsetting because he's done so much good work. Like in the Heights changed musical theater, you know, like he's done a great job. That was of, awesome. Like, yeah. You know, of, of like really cha- like di- his work with Disney has been amazing. Like, you know, that Hamilton is what it is, but you can't say that it wasn't a huge deal. Like you, yeah. there are plenty of criticisms you can have about Hamilton, but like it was a huge deal. And it also helped reshape musical theater. Like, and also just got people like, it's exciting when a new musical gets people involved who aren't normally theater people. Like that's also oh, yeah. pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's definitely like the musical of the decade. And yeah, uh, it's the biggest, I mean, it, it's definitely the biggest one since wicked, like, like the biggest phenomenon on Broadway yeah. since wicked. Like, yeah. You know, um, and that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that a guy like Lindman or Miranda is the is the biggest musical since since um, Wicked. It's it's good that it's a musical that like largely features a cast of like non-white people. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, that's cool. That's pretty cool. Awesome. Um, unfortunately, it's also like Lindman or Miranda has to post his lip bite photos. That's like the trade off <laughs> we get. It's like a deal with. It's like a falsity and pact that we've all made. We get his work, and then we also have to get his fucking selfies like um so yeah you know right imagine if andrew lloyd weber was like doing like while he was coming out with cats and fan of the opera was also like posting lip bite photos and stuff could you imagine you know know what um that would have been like uh, andrew lloyd weber posting like lip bite photos with a cat on his shoulder um (laughs) jesus christ almighty um but all this is to say that despite (laughs) How annoying we may find Lin Manuel Miranda as a person. He's extremely talented. Um, his music is almost always fantastic, um, and this movie is no exception. Uh, a lot of great songs in this one. Interestingly, um, the one that everyone's talking about is "We Don't Talk About Bruno" because it's but the that, number one song in the country. That's yeah. crazy. It's number that one, one in the Billboard Hot 100 chart for multiple weeks. That's insane. That's, I'd never heard it before I watched the movie. Um, a song like from a movie soundtrack. Yeah. It's been a long time since we've had that happen. And like a song from a movie soundtrack that's like performed in movie. Like there have been songs from movie soundtracks that went to number one previously. Yeah. But they're like, this isn't the original song song during the credits or something. Like, like Skyfall, you know, it's not like that. Like it's, it's, um, but like, and I don't even know if Skyfall hit number one. It was just an example of one that was definitely very popular, but probably okay. did because it's Adele. Um, this is a musical theater type song. Yeah. Um, but it has made it to number one. And that's it, very impressive. We haven't had not that the one that's nominated. When's the last time that it happened? I don't even know. Like, I, I'm trying to think of all the big movie musicals that like doesn't. I mean, did Let It Go hit number one? That's the only thing I can think of that might have. Um, but like. Did what? I don't even think mm-hmm. that did because that was like a sleeper hit. Um, no. Nope. Let like it go. I, you cut out for a second let it oh, go sorry, oh sorry i was saying did let it go uh-huh. hit number one because that's the only thing i can think of like oh i don't um, know that's but a i don't question. i don't even think so because i feel like that had like more of a slow burn rise to like being like the song from the movie that everybody yeah. was like, screaming about we don't talk about bruno was like i mean it was immediate <laughs> um um so I, I just don't know. I mean, it's it's been a long time since this has happened, um, and I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it used to happen more. You think about, like, like the Greece era and things like that, but, like, now it just, like, doesn't happen. So it's pretty cool that it did. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll Let see. It Go hit number five. It didn't make it to number huh? one. But it did make it pretty to number good, one of the U.S. Yeah. Dance Club songs chart, which is a real <laughs> interesting t- turn of events. I love I, – I, I mean, you could totally – 
see them playing let it go at like industry or something like absolutely do would, you think it was like a remix though do you think it was like a or like the original version well there are definitely remixes out there but i i don't know how they do the dance club charts if they include remixes or they just but i mean they couldn't they could have played the original on dance well, floor remixes can go into down. even just the billboard hot 100 if you if you release like a big remix like think about oh um, yeah yeah definitely I, I was gonna say i hate that i'm like in on like stan twitter chart discourse but i know because a lot of artists release remixes at like three days before like the week closes for charts just to make sure they get the push to number one that's Ooh. very common um, um so yeah they totally totally could count it for the the dance or for the dance chart too um but i'm just trying to i mean i would have loved to i wish i'd been going clubbing in 2013 when let it go came out i would have danced to that Re- i mean just remember how hype it got when uh shallow came on at industry oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was you know what a, house of gucci needed it needed a lady gaga original number i think that's what house of gucci needed that would have pushed it over the top yeah. and you know maybe then it would have gotten some nominations yeah she's gonna become the joker if she doesn't get some big <laughs> wins soon but that's okay um we'll, we'll all live through the lady gaga as the joker era um <laughs> That like she really like lady, she's due for a villain arc. That is really like the one I thing like that she's missing. I feel like when she started, she was living for a villain arc. She was like because the the half the country was like, oh no, um, so <laughs> this like dangerous she, woman. Yeah, this dangerous woman wears unitards and leotards. Okay, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> all number of transphobic, misogynist homophobic things said about her too very strange time to be uh, a fan of anything at that point when it was just like blatant like transphobia was really the big one for lady gaga there were people saying all number of weird things about her that weren't even true it was like transphobia based on things that aren't true i was like what are we doing like what (laughs) um it's fun to live in live in a time where we can be transphobic about a cis woman (laughs) yeah yeah it was very strange the 2000s were a weird time um this was you know late 2000s early 2010s yeah things were weird um moving on from that encanto <laughs> encanto's really gotten off track here but um, yes. you know who i love in encanto i love bruno we don't talk about bruno but i loved bruno i was like i feel like i might be the bruno of my family so great character very fun lives in the walls and talks to rats I yeah mean, i really i mean i thing? think i think i am a bruno like i talk to rats um <laughs> do you now <laughs> well you're my friend in real life you know the the mouse troubles i've had I talk <laughs> no, <to rats. laughs> you, bruno doesn't kill the mice that I he talks to kill them um and <laughs> you then put uh, that trap right. down that okay, was you're right um that, uh, that was means motive and opportunity right there sir okay, okay you're fair that's yeah, <laughs> fair um i i have long hair I have dark circles under my eyes. I usually have a haunted look in my eyes if anyone talks to me for long enough. Um, I like to wear capes. That's a cool thing. Um, I relate to Bruno. I think that um, I'm the Bruno of my family. So He's very relatable. You know, yeah. He sees the stuff that people don't want to see, yeah. which is the dark future. Sometimes my eyes get big, swirly, and green. We yeah. can't all help it. Like I thought that was really cool, too. Yeah. Um, I really, yeah, I liked that too. That was pretty cool. Between that and the rats, I was getting some real like secret of Nim vibes. Very secret of Nim. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, 
I no oh man, haven't thought about. You know what? Secret of Nim should win best animated feature this year. Um, <laughs> it should. <laughs> just like, can we um, can we do a re-release? That, that one is song like... from Bloomhouse Fantasy Island needs to win best original song. <laughs> <laughs> We, um, we we need to come up with our own oscars it's just like completely irrespective of year released and then that's what we just... every year from now on we should just come up with our own list and read through <laughs> them and they don't have to be tied to the year at all um, it's whatever things we currently think are the best whatever for the past year out. we've been obsessed with that's what it should be about best um, best the, anime the feature 2000, i watched this the 2000 year, year or the 2020 year would have just been like best original song would have been all like rock of ages song and we'd been like it doesn't matter that it wasn't original that it was like a cover like it's, it's original fine. because it's a mashup. So yeah. that, that makes it's original, it original because the instrumentation was actually a little different here and they, they changed That's the lyrics. Yeah. Of it. Um, so it's actually original now. Um, that's what we should have done oh but you know the winner would have been the the one actual original song it would have been um undercover love um oh yeah but, <laughs> that is that is an original song and should have been up for an oscar when should it have been out. up for an oscar um it's too bad so yeah but that's something that, we should was, talk that, about. that was the oscar bait song you know like when they add an original song just to for like to like yeah. lay miz or something <laughs> that was the one god i get so sick of the the original oscar bait songs at least that one was like funny and bad oscar bait song it wasn't it was like it was like satirizing the oscar bait song you know what that movie is so much better than i've ever thought (laughs) (laughs) um (sighs) anyway now that i've yelled about rock of ages it's been a few episodes i think since we've done that so i'll I'll let it yeah yeah Um, we've been we've been slacking we have to reference we haven't preached the holy gospel in a while every every episode yeah um it's good we got it in um um but uh (laughs) encanto yes has um so the as we're as i was saying the song that is nominated is not we don't talk about bruno which is great very yeah. fun. It's the one everyone's talking about. But uh, Dos Oreguitas yes. is the one that has been nominated also okay. by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Right. So having seen it, I got to say, um, We Don't Talk About Bruno is the better song. I'm upset. Like, I wasn't upset, but I am upset now. Like, it's We Don't Talk About Bruno is a very good song. Dos Oreguitas is, is fine. It's fine. It's sweet. It's like not the yeah. best. Like, it's strange. It's like, not the most memorable song from the movie. I know it's like based on what the film itself like submitted. Like I get that, uh, but I'm pretty sure they can submit more than one song. So they probably did submit more than one song. Um, so, you know, just an interesting thing that that became the song. Probably the vote was split somewhere. Like that's what helped Dos Arguitas get it. Um, but it is yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, unusual. Um, but yeah, I overall the the score was very good in this movie too. Um, it's also nominated for the score. Yes, and it's nominated for best animated feature. Yeah, and it might I very well might win best animated feature. That's like a yeah. very real possibility. I I have to like, I have to think that they are maybe the favorite or at least a strong contender. Yes, I think they're the favorite with. Mitchell's versus the machines as a dark horse second place. Mm-hmm. Um, which may again be um, helped by the fact that Disney has three movies in the category. So, yeah. Yeah. 
interesting year for that. Like for it's like, you know, the pandemic, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's funny. Cause like people are talking about how like Encanto is the best movie by Disney since Bawana and like included in that period is Raya and the last dragon, which is also nominated and Luca. Well, Luca's Pixar. It's Pixar is still Disney. I know, I know, I know. But, it, but when people are saying like, it's the best movie Disney has made, I think you mean Disney animation studios. I don't, Disney well, if you're talking about film Twitter, they might be, if you're talking about your average person, they don't know the difference, but, um, I think I'm talking about film Twitter, but okay. film Twitter knows the difference. They, but get, I do think, um, I do think that Pixar has definitely made better movies since then. Um, well, I haven't so seen Lucas, probably so comment, people though. wouldn't include them in that. Um, what is Pixar made? In what, the is, past? what has Pixar come out? with? <laughs> Let's what was see. Pixar's last movie? So, Pixar. Oh, Soul. Soul was great. Oh, Soul was We good, talked yeah. about that yeah. before. Soul yeah. was great. Onward. Onward was not as good as Soul, but still pretty good. <laughs> um, it was Onward a fun was movie. Definitely I, I, not as good as Soul was. I liked Onward though. It was fun. It was. It, it was, was a def- definitely a different kind of movie. Soul was like much more serious, but Onward was fun, silly. Okay. Yeah. Soul uh, to- is definitely Soul is definitely better. Soul is yeah. Soul is up. I mean, I could still see people saying um they have like it's not. Some people might like Moana more than Soul. I can see. Okay, that, but, but uh, you know what is what has come out since Moana, Coco. And oh yeah, Coco is great. <laughs> there is no way that people would say that Coco is not like a better movie. They better not. That, Coco like, they, is. They would just gloss over Coco. And be like, oh, it's the best one since Moana. Oh yeah, Coco is like. One of my one of my five star movies. Great movie. Incredible. Oh yeah. Love. love All Coco. time one yeah. of the greats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one of those ones that like even when I know that the big cry moment is coming, I still can't like, resist it. Every oh, yeah. time. Cry every time. Every single time. I have never not cried during Coco. <laughs> um, I mean I've only seen it like what three times, but I've never not cried. Um so. Um very good. Yeah, you're right. That and that's definitely better than Moana. Sorry, Moana. Um but hey, it is. I mean, Moana is great, but it's it's hard to compete with Coco. It's very hard to compete. With it's Coco. even one of the better ones that Pixar's ever done. Yeah, yeah, that really is up there. And in the in the current era for Pixar, that's like a real high point. Um, because yeah, the the, the the current era is what it is. It's not you know, the current era they, has the fucking <laughs> everything bad in it. But um, Pixar, <laughs> Pixar in the in the common parlance fell off. Fell off, yeah. <laughs> um, now they're still doing some good stuff. I I have big hopes for uh, turning red. I think that looks, it looks really nice. Fun. Yeah, I think it looks good. I think it could be good. There's also um fucking Lightyear. Um, <laughs> I have no idea whether that's gonna be good or not. It could be great. Um, be I'm hoping real, this is gonna be great. Um, yeah, I don't know either. But you know, one hopes, one hopes it's good. Um. Yeah, but I haven't seen any of. I mean, I haven't seen the other. I haven't seen Ryan the Last Dragon or Luca, which is Pixar. So I don't know what that you know. But I think okay to go back to the Oscars conversation. I think when people are considering like best animated feature nominees, I think Luca gets lumped in with the Disney votes. Like I think when when I'm talking about splitting a vote, yeah, it yeah. just like it it draws people from the Disney. You know, it's it draws people from the Disney camp. I do think um, you're right about that. Yeah. Um, um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I can't imagine Luke. I mean, 
I'm sure Luca's very, very good, but I can't imagine. Luca, honestly, every time I saw the trailer, I was like, this is Call Me By Your Name for kids. But like, um, like I, I mean, I know it's not really, but like, it kind of looks like it. Gotta say. It does have uh, very similar vibes just from like, like and being it's called Luca, which is the name of the director of Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, um, being called Luca. Um, so like everything about it. Um, but I, you know, I just think I can't imagine that it's going to be a big vote getter i i was honestly kind of surprised it got the nomination but then again i don't know what else would have taken its place so you know right whatever but um it just i felt like it came out and didn't really make a huge splash so um oh oh make a huge splash is kind of a luca reference i haven't even <laughs> seen it but it kind of is um so it's a good film um oh you've seen but, it i didn't know that um, yeah i i've seen it yeah I, I liked it quite a bit but i you know it's it's not the most memorable one here. I definitely think that Encanto or Mitchell's versus machines stand a better chance. Yes. Those are the, those are the other ones I've seen. I haven't seen flea or Raya, but I have to think it's not a kid's movie and Raya the last dragon, I think is not, I really think it's coming down to Encanto and Mitchell's versus machines, possibly flea flea could win just because it's not at all. Like the other movies. That's the only thing I can think. Um, is that it's that's bad. right but the thing the thing with animated feature is that like the more that like every time people ask like the oscar voters about like how they voted for animated feature they're like oh i picked this one because my kids liked it so yes. i feel well, like an i animated f- that but um yeah i mean i well, know yeah, that people I, do that but that's like the shittiest reason to vote for something it's Sorry. it's a reality though Sorry like, to the, uh, the kids uh, of all of these oscar <laughs> voters but i think they're those kids suck ass um, <laughs> fuck them kids um <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I don't think that I think that an animated film that is not for kids is going to face a very steep competition. Right. Um, so I, I think that Flea is rather unlikely to win again, sight unseen, but um, it'll be hard for it to go up against both Disney and Mitchell's versus the machines. Right. I mean, there, there are, uh, I mean, probably a lot of these people, well, I guess they'll probably have seen it because of the other reasons, like because it's nominated for other stuff. But I was going to say, there's a world in which the non kids movie, the voters haven't even seen because they're like, my kids didn't want to watch it. Um, so, you know, yeah. that's a thing that happens. Um, oh, that happens all the time. Yeah. Be, the voters haven't even seen all the movies. Oh, my God. Uh, that's very common. Yeah. <laughs> we live in a hell world. Yeah. It's like the dumbest thing. This is why they the academy should be inducting us rather than these. Oh other my god, yeah! Don't we'll, even watch we'll the everything. Movie. I mean, we'll be voting ten minutes into the ceremony because that's <laughs> when we finish our movies. But like, they should totally let us in. They should. We that's should okay. have a vote. That's okay. They can. They can have the Price Waterhouse Coopers guy run in there in the last minute. I love that with, you spelled it out. So just saying PwC. Um, <laughs> um, one of my good friends worked for PwC when the incident occurred. I'll never forget, like texting her, like "Y'all okay over there?" One of my roommates worked for them too, <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, hey, y'all aren't doing too well, are you?" He's like, "Yep." <laughs> oh, what a bad time! Oh, bad time that was life. that was a crazy, crazy time. <laughs> it really was. It really was. Well, that's all I've seen. What else? Have you seen anything else? No, that's it for me for now. Um, You know, hoping to get around to some more next week. But uh, that's where we stand for now. Anything else you want to talk about before we close out? 
no. I saw the new Texas Chainsaw, which elicited the most brain dead takes <laughs> on Twitter that I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh wow. yeah, that is like it's very funny the the reactions that that's getting. Well, it's been completely insane. Um, you know, just like a, it's like people live in an alternate reality that I don't live in, where like like this is you do realize this is the ninth entry straight to video essentially, um, in a horror franchise, right? Like, are we really gonna cause this big of a fuss about it? Are we all gonna yell about it? It's did we do this for like Texas Chainsaw 4? I don't think so. I mean, God knows Twitter wasn't around then, but Texas Chainsaw, I mean, you can go back and see some some problematic elements in past Texas Chainsaw movies and nobody like bats an eye at it now. I mean, you yeah. might you might argue that all horror slashers are kind of have some problematic elements. Um Yeah, they're horror movies. They go where others dare not. It, horror, it goes there. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> um, Shout out to our friend of the pod who just finished a full Degrassi watch. Wow, that good for them. Funny. I'm so proud of them. That And they did it very quickly. They did it very quickly. Um, good for yeah. them. Um, that, I mean, relatively speaking, it's 14 seasons of TV. That, you know. That's a lot. Given and how have, much TV that is, that was pretty quick. As um, a diehard Degrassi fan, I have not even seen the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, so you're not a diehard fan, first of all. Let's revoke that. Excuse claim. me. Like, you can't Excuse claim me. that. Um, <laughs> Hold up now. I have seen it all, so. Well, okay then. And I've even seen, I've even seen the old stuff. The old stuff. Oh, the, the original The Degrassi. original shit. Ooh. With like Snake as a high schooler. You know it what I mean? It really goes there. Yeah, it really goes there. So I've seen that. So don't talk to me about being a super fan. Um, <laughs> okay, we're gatekeeping here. We're now. gatekeeping Degrassi on this podcast. Um, <laughs> um, no, we're not. It's you can be you can Riverdale talk- 0. 0.1. Oh no. Well, okay. You know what? Riverdale wants what Degrassi has. Like, and Riverdale has always <laughs> wanted what Degrassi has. Um, so Euphoria wants what Degrassi has. Like everybody just wants to be Degrassi. Euphoria. I love that. That uh, the tweet that was like Euphoria is just a twenty four Degrassi. I'm like, you know what? It really is. I mean, that's that's not a knock. I mean, although the current season of Euphoria has been a a time, um, I will say (laughs) that I'm I'm not sure what's happening. Um, I mean, I know literally what's happening, but it's it's a bit much. We we've we've maybe jumped the shark, but um, I'm kind of enjoying it jumping the shark. Me too. That's my kind of shit. But like, (laughs) this was like a natural escalation of where things started. Yeah, there wasn't much room. I mean, there there. I mean. From where Euphoria started, jumping the shark was an inevitability. Um, you know, and it was an inevitability early on. Like it was, it wasn't going to take long. Anybody could have known that. Um, but yeah, so everybody wants what Degrassi has. Is what I'm really trying to say here. Degrassi, Degrassi was the best. Um, Degrassi goes there. Horror goes there. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 goes there. Um, um, it's a, yeah. it's a movie. Yeah. I, I need to that. see more. It has a chainsaw massacre. That. I gotta say, it has a chainsaw massacre, and not. I think that's a first, actually. I don't think any of the other ones had one chainsaw massacre. They had singular kills with a chainsaw. This movie Just has like a- one, one like multi-kill uh, rampage. Oh, oh, I you know Once. I would call it a slaughter house. Not really a house. Um. Look, this movie is like, it looks like it's on a back lot somewhere. Cause it is, it's in Bulgaria. Um, it looks like it's on a back lot somewhere. It doesn't look like it's in Texas. It actually looks like it's on the street that house of wax 2005 took place on. Oh my um, God. Not, no, it like when you watch it, you will see it's very house of wax. Um, you know, it's like 
people are saying things like you're going to get canceled. Like I'm like, all right, we're here. Um, the, the main characters are like YouTube chefs. I'm like, cool. I don't know what's uh, going on. Yeah. Um, what? I no, it's re- they're like gentrifying YouTube chefs. They're like, they're like, we want to move to this small town to like bring people here to like give it a better economy. That's literally like what they're doing. And I'm like, wow, you, I mean, it's, it's really like, it's like the real estate investor element. Like it's that it's like saw five. Like, it's like, we're here to talk <laughs> about like, like how, you know, these people, I mean, there, there's literally an ele- there's like a plot point in this movie. That's like, do they actually own this house or does like Leatherface own this house? That's a real like thing that's happening in this movie. Um, so like, I'm just saying that, that there's some, there's some weird shit going on in this movie <laughs> and it's only like 70 minutes long. Like it's really like very short. And I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? Um, there's a school shooting arc. You would think it's a 70 oh, minute no. movie. How much can there be? Um, there's a Sally Hardesty is back. Um, I, I do think that is like the, one of the weaker elements of it, but I do think it's also kind of making fun of Jamie Lee Curtis. So I think that's kind of fun. Um, I think it's kind of making fun of Halloween 2018. Like, so I like that element. Um, we, we've uh, had a lot of other franchises chirping in Halloween 2018 now. Yeah. With both Scream calling them out and now Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is doing it less well. And there are some people who see it and think that it's like trying to just imitate that. I don't really think it is because it's like definitely sort of making fun of her. But um, <laughs> uh, like, I mean, and I mean, making fun of Sally Hardesty in this movie. Like you're supposed to sort of be like, are you OK? Um, answer? No. Um, um, uh, no. Anyway, the whole movie is kind of ridiculous, but there is a lot of really good blood. And some of it is practical effects that are really cool. Not all of it. There is some CGI, which looks real unfortunate by comparison. Oh, no. But some of it is practical effects, which looks really cool. Um, well, that's good. I always yeah. love to see some good practical effects. Yeah. So that's what I want. That's like my big watch of the weekend that wasn't Oscar related and also really hit the cultural zeitgeist. I got to say, um, Twitter was <laughs> like just having a field day. I was like, are we all OK? I feel like nobody like has left their house in a month or something like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, um, I so I've been continuing my Disney animation watch. Oh right, uh, yeah. How's that going? I'm still very early in it. I just watched Fantasia. Oh right, I knew you watched but, it this week. That's such a good movie. But uh oh my god, amazing. Like I haven't seen this one in a long time, probably since I was like a kid. Mm-hmm. But uh like I was I was worried it might not hold up or it might be kind of boring or whatever, what? but if anything, I enjoyed it more than I did as a kid because like I like even the parts that I used to think were kind of boring, I appreciated more. Like the, yes, the you slower, like it more now. I less get, active parts. Was this the first time you'd watched it since you were a kid? Probably. Like I can't think of any time I would have watched it like as a teenager or a young adult or whatever. I have it on blue. They, Disney released it on Blu-ray when I was in college, and I know I watched it when it first came out on Blu-ray. Um. Uh, I think I've watched it at least a couple of times since then. I really like Fantasia. Yeah. It's, it's one of my so favorite good. It, like the animation is amazing, mm-hmm. uh, especially for the time, like unbelievable stuff. Mm-hmm. And the way that it's set to the music and it gives you the, the feelings and emotions of the music is just like unparalleled. Yeah. I think that like, even today you like, yeah. it's hard to find a movie that engages with music as well as this one does. Well, that's what it's about. Uh, it's about and the music is, and you know, that's yeah. not, that's not super common anymore, but yeah, it's an 80 year old movie and it yeah. still just holds up incredibly well. Yeah. I really love that movie. Great movie. What's next for the Disney watch? It's beautiful. Um, uh, next is Dumbo. Oh, so, uh, 
Well, I think that's going to be good. I, I, I remember Dumbo being pretty good. Um, Dumbo scaring the fuck out of me. <laughs> which part of it scared you? Was it the, the pink elephants? Or the, yeah, it's fucking frightening. The rasp it's like, bounce? Not, it's, it's also sort of just like elephants in general as a kid, but... um. They're just like too big. There's like a <laughs> there's like a fear factor built into the it is. the size of an elephant. Um, but it's kind but of Dumbo a dark was movie sweet. Dumbo sometimes. had yeah. It is kind of dark. I mean, a lot of old Disney movies are dark. Um, you've already gotten has Bambi yeah. already happened? You've already done Bambi, right? Is Bambi no, not Dumbo? yet. No, okay. Um, no, so far it's just been Snow White, Pinocchio, Fantasia. Hmm. Man, Pinocchio's the fucking worst. You know what? <laughs> Fuck Pinocchio. Fuck Pinocchio and the nightmares Pinocchio has given me every year of my life since Pinocchio. <laughs> oh, I love I Pinocchio, Pinocchio though. All like so much of the scary scenes in Pinocchio have like gone on to define my taste later on. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Pinocchio. I mean, it's a great the movie. Pleasure Island stuff is so crazy. Like that scene, the scene where the kid transforms into the donkey in Pinocchio is like genuine horror. Yeah. Like, <laughs> even, it's like, body it looks... horror. It's literally body horror. <laughs> It's like straight out of like a werewolf movie or yeah. something. <laughs> so creepy. It's so fucked up. I had so many nightmares about turning into a donkey. Like God knows it's been just like endless stream of nightmares about me turning into a donkey. You know what didn't help it? Fucking Shrek didn't help it. And you know what? I'm so fucking over having nightmares about donkeys. Well, nobody turns into the donkey in Shrek. Yeah, but in my world, it could happen. In my brain's world, it could happen. Um, so, yeah, I just think... um fucking pinocchio is terrifying it's a great movie but it's terrifying yeah. um and it's a good story the thing about the story is that it's such a like morality tale and like oh yeah you know there's like a there's like a limit on those right like we're not really in a morality tale era anymore era anymore we don't really do those um yeah they keep remaking pinocchio like but it's very era. strange like that they do i'm <laughs> like this is like the most morality tale of them all like like you can't like it's hard to remake this without it being a morality tale about like don't be a bad boy. Uh, yeah, and then that's the whole thing. It's like the, it's the purest version of that like archetypal story. Yeah, of like these are the way these are morals, and this is how you should live your life. These and are if you don't, morals. If you don't, this is what happens to you. You're gonna get hanged in the middle of a field by a cat and a fox. God knows you don't want to be hanged in the middle of the field by a cow and a fox. Cat and a fox. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I put an orange in my mouth right as I said that. Um <laughs> that that uh that live action version that came out last year was really something. Oh yeah. That was um the the yeah, that was rough. We had to watch that, remember? Yeah. Remember? Because that I was, do. I was, I'll tell you I that. was watching that the day of the ceremony. That was like I woke up and watched that. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like first thing in the morning. Fun times. But yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, the rest of this Disney watch. Got Dumbo coming up. Got a few other interesting ones. Soon I'm going to be getting into like the uh, the World War II era, which is like the era of movies I actually haven't seen. For that Disney. is a weird era. That'll be fun. Like ones you haven't mm -hmm. seen will be fun. That will be a good time. Yeah, I get to finally watch Make Mine Music and stuff like wow. that. Wow. <laughs> God knows. We're all looking forward to that. Well, that's pretty cool. That's a cool project. I don't have a cool project other than watching the Oscars movies. I just watch whatever yeah. pops into my head at any given time. Usually it's well, the worst movie imaginable. Yeah. <laughs> what is, let's see. What's the worst thing I could watch right now? Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I'm going to have a really good encyclopedic knowledge of like C grade and below movies. <laughs> but anything better than that, I'm going to be like, I don't know. I don't fucking know. Did it get nominated for an Oscar? Because otherwise I have no idea. Um, There's like this huge gap in between of like the mid tier movies. The mediocre yeah. movies? I have no idea. I will have no yeah. idea what those are about. Like, I'll just be like, I, fucking some mediocre action film. No, no clue. I don't get it. Um, actually, if it's an action film, I probably will. It's like the mediocre non-action movies, you know? Yeah, like a mediocre drama. Yeah, I won't those know. Are, those. those are the most forgettable movies. They're bad. They're terrible. Um, mediocre dramas and honestly, mediocre comedies. Mediocre like comedies are really unfortunate. Oh, yeah. Anything but a great comedy. Yeah. It's, it's hard to even watch a bad comedy. It depends on the bad comedy. There are some that are like... Like Doolittle, come on, Doolittle. Um, <laughs> Doolittle. Right. Well, that was like a fantasy comedy. Yeah, I feel it like wasn't the, like a straight comedy. You're right. It was the, it was the a... fantasy element of it being bad was the part that made it watchably bad. Yeah, you're right. You're definitely <laughs> right about that. It, it, I'm trying, like, like I don't remember the Shaggy Dog remake that happened. Like, I have no memory of that. You know, uh, <laughs> but I know I watched it. I watched it. Oh god. Um. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Chipmunks movies, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Uh huh. Don't know. <laughs> Chipwrecked road. Chip. Chipwrecked. Uh, the Squeakle. Um. <laughs> um. Oh my god, that was like I was I was working that was at the movie one of the most for multiple periods. of those to come yeah. out, and I was just like every time I was just like, why? Why do we have to do that? I'm pretty sure I actually had to like thread Chipwrecked on a projector. I was just like, this is like this is how. <laughs> <laughs> this is how democracy dies <laughs> with thunderous with, thunderous applause. Applause. <laughs> um, with the sound of chipmunks squeaking um god god forbid that's a nightmare listen i can't i'm trying to think of other like bad comedies that i've like like suffered through paul blart mall cop um sorry to that person who loves paul Coop, blart moot coop <laughs> uh grown-ups and grown-ups too um those are some bad comedies those are bad 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 comedies yeah very bad well until next time we're gonna be watching more oscar movies trying to trying to make it to the finish line trying to watch oscar movies and stay on top of current movies that's the hard part yeah, it's a, it's a constant struggle. I'm like, I'm trying to juggle, like, how many times can I make it to the theaters this week and still stay on track to finish? I'm like, oh, yeah, but I, there's also other things I have to do in my life besides watch movies. This is bogus. Um, but you can hear more about our continuing journey to finish this race and drive ourselves mad um, on all the major platforms. We're on... Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Leave us a review on your favorite platform if you like what we're doing. You can also reach out to us at Buzz on Movies on Twitter and buzzonmovies at gmail.com and let us know what you're watching these days. Whether you think Tom Holland should be James Bond, please know. Um, and <laughs> if you are trying to watch all the Oscar movies or not, um and until next time we'll see you at the movies we will see you at the movies